The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another episode of Round Ball Ramble. I definitely said rambling a couple times uh, yesterday. That was my mistake. You have to know your own show, right? I think that's like podcast hosting 101. Round Ball Ramble and not Round Ball Rambling because that's what I end up doing on the show. But the name of the show is Round Ball Ramble with Corbin Ford. Oh, there it is. Corbin Ford. You can find me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. Make sure to check out Hoopball. I say this all the time. The fine folks of Hoopball on Twitter at Hoopball Tweets online. Hoop-Ball.com. Definitely make sure to do that. It's the best fantasy content out there. I mean, you have the great Discord chat. You have fantasy experts like Aaron Bruski and Dad and Brespis up there. You got Adam King at the Tweet Storms. I get it all. You also got, you know, a little little tab in that Discord chat called NBA Today with Corbin Ford where you put out your hot takes, your MVP discussions. I'll tell you why you're wrong for having an MVP four weeks into the year before I then announce why Brandon Ingram should be MVP. I will do all that. That's that's what that's for. So check that out, hoop-ball.com on Twitter at HoopBallTweets. Make sure to look at the HoopBall360 package for sure. Also, 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 check out Manscaped. Manscaped.com has tremendous products. I'm using two in my regular rotation right now, the Crop Mops and also this premium, premium refined cologne that makes me smell just simply amazing. Uh, you can find that and more products and get a super super sweet discount as well as uh, a little bit off the shipping uh, with HoopBall20. HoopBall20 is the code H-O-P. B-A-L-L-2-0, 20% off your order, plus free shipping, manscaped.com, hoopball20. All right, we are a couple weeks in, y'all. I mean, it's been, what, a month now, it feels like? It's getting close to a month. We're three days short of a month, um, well, two days short of a month of NBA action. And you know what? I think it is finally time for power rankings. We've watched some games. We've seen some stuff go down. And uh, now we just got to talk about it. So we're going to start with the worst team and move on up. <laughs> and we're just going to go without further ado here. Uh, we got to start with the Detroit Pistons. What I've liked about the Detroit Pistons, Jeremy Grant. Uh, he's been amazing this year so far. Uh, yesterday, or two days ago against Miami, he had 24 points, nine rebounds, six assists, four blocks, and two steals. Um, that's the first Pistons, the 25-5-2-2 stat line since Andre Drummond in December of 2019. You can find that um, from ESPN in terms of statistics. I did not know that 25-5-2-2 was a stat line that people regularly kept track of, but there it is. Uh, but in general, I mean, a lot of people... Looked at Jeremy Grant as someone who, uh, myself included, d- he he was a ancillary player, you know, a three and D guy. His length and versatility in the end was was really good in terms of being a very high end role player, but not someone who could take on a high usage role on the offensive end at all. Definitely not someone you look at as the best player on your team. And if if so, then you know you're looking at that team as not being very good. Now, mind you, the Pistons are dead last. We're talking about them right now in the bottom of the power rankings for a reason. But on the season, 24 points. 38% from three, six rebounds, two and a half assists a game, a steal, and just over a block and a half a game. In 36 minutes a night, on 46% shooting, that means you're giving everything on the statistical end across the spectrum offensively, while taking very little off of it. I, I, I With a 21.3 PER, 53.9 effective field goal percentage, like that is solid. That is solid, all, all while easily. And this is even hard, easily sporting the highest usage of his career, 26.4%. He's been amazing for them. Uh, unfortunately, the Pistons are 3-9. You know, they just had, they've had a rough time. And it's going to get a little rough. They have Miami, Atlanta, Houston, Philly. 
talked about the Pistons again yesterday. I said, listen, when you play them, you're going to have a very tight battle. Unfortunately, you're probably, I mean, fortunately for you, unfortunately for the Pistons, you're probably still going to walk away with the W. <laughs> and that's just what it is. Uh, one sign of concern, I guess, would obviously be the play of Blake Griffin. Again, we talked about him yesterday, but 12 points, five rebounds, four assists on the season. Uh, he's played 10 games, so it's not like he hasn't played a lot. And He's getting 32 minutes a night, and that's production you're getting. And mind you, Blake Griffin, although you wouldn't notice by watching him play, is only 31. Let's shut it here for that. All right, going on to our next team on the power rankings list. That would be the Washington Wizards, who I'm just going to keep it simple. I mean, they haven't played in a week and change, and it's going to be a little longer uh, due to COVID-19. They've had four consecutive games postponed already. Six players that tested positive, three more in tr- um, training protocols, and or three more in um, health and safety protocols, so they're going to be out for a second. When they did play, they weren't great. Russell Westbrook's been out for at least a week, and he'll be out for um, at least another week and some change due to a quad injury. You lost uh, Thomas Bryant to a torn ACL, a partially torn ACL there. A lot of pressure's been on Bradley Beal to create offense. Bradley Beal has performed admirably. Great uh, shooting percentage. He's had a 60-point game. He's been just spectacular. Unfortunately, the Wizards have been anything but. And it is unfortunate because... Uh, they're 28th defensively. They actually have a decent offensive rating. They're 6th offensively. But when you can't stop anyone from scoring, like you can't stop anyone. Beal said that they couldn't guard a parked car. Then you have a problem. And let's also be real. Russell Westbrook, although averaging 19 points, 9 rebounds, and 11 assists look great. And he is my guy, as y'all all know. He's shooting 37% from the field, 30% from 3, with an effective field goal percentage of 41%. Also, 65% from the free throw line. So, uh... Yeah, not super great for him while also holding a pretty high usage. Second, obviously, to Russell Westbrook. I mean, second, obviously, to Bradley Beal. So, yeah, not very good for Westbrook and the Wizards. Uh, slightly better, but still not as good. The Minnesota Timberwolves, who also are tied with the Wizards at 3-8. and eight. Pistons were 3-9. and nine, Wizards and Timberwolves are 3-8. and eight. <sighs> When I think of the Timberwolves, I just think of sadness. Um, you know, Carl Anthony Towns been through so much. Uh, you've had unfortunate injuries. He's had an injury that he was out for a bit on his wrist, came back, didn't spur the team to a win that initial game, but his appearance the day before helped them get a win the second against the Spurs, and then he was COVID positive. So uh, this has been rough for them. Uh, they've lost eight of their past nine. They do play Atlanta, Orlando, Atlanta again, New Orleans. Winnable games for Minnesota, but their defense is rough. Anthony Edwards still trying to find his way. Uh, I talked about this again. I feel like I'm, I'm referencing a lot of stuff I talked about yesterday, but um, Ricky Rubio, while he's been like an adult in the room, hasn't really made a significant impact on the quality of play on the court as far as like them being very competitive on that end. And yeah, it's been rough. All right, going on to Chicago. Chicago is 5-8. and eight. Uh, They have been okay. I mean, defensively, yeah. And they also blew a 22-point lead in an overtime loss to the Thunder. Uh, as Coach Donovan said, they don't know how to win yet, which is so weird to think about, you know, you professional athlete and you don't know how to win uh, at any level. Really? Very interesting. But that's what he said. Uh, he also gave some weird analogy to astronauts. So, I mean, take that for what you will. Zach Levine, though, he's been putting up some numbers, and he might be something I'm looking at on the trade block. Uh, we'll get to that in a diff- future conversation. But he is averaging 28.3 points, 5.3 rebounds, and 4.8 assists. Uh, you had good play from Colby White. And there has been times, especially against that uh, narrow loss to the Clippers, where the Bulls look, dare I say, quite well. They look quite well. That's where I'm going with it. Just about them, uh, we're going to go with the Hawks. Hawks, uh, they've lost six of the last seven after winning four of their last five. 
uh, it's not been super great. Uh, Trey Young, man, he had a tift or a rift, tift, rift, both, that came up on the Athletic a couple weeks, I want to say a week or so ago, against John Collins, because he called, John Collins called Trey Young out for, um, you know, playing a little selfishly. And since then, it's almost like Trey Young's doing a version of what Kobe did in the playoffs, I want to say 2007, with the Lakers, where he's like, fine, I just won't shoot the ball. And when I do, I'm not going to be very effective because I have been insulted. Over the last seven games, uh, Trey Young's averaged 17 point game, point, point nine points per game, only 17, while shooting 32% from the field, taking 37 threes, only knocking down seven. <sighs> That's not good. Uh, as far as the Hawks, I've loved the way Clint Capella's performed since he's been in. They have had injuries. Ganilla Gallinari, your loss of uh, Bogdan Bogdanovic. Uh, you just had guys like Ranjan Rondo come back. Onyeka Kwangu just come in. So they're still a team in transition. Uh, I, I don't want to put them in a like a solid 26, but that's where they're at right now. Just because... I don't like Trey Young's attitude. You still have a lot of concern with John Collins, and, and I, I just don't feel comfortable watching them, which is funny because I feel more comfortable, and this is maybe some revisionist history here or some recent bias. I feel a lot more comfortable watching the Kings. Now, mind you, De'Aaron Fox, they, they lost their third straight game, but not not if De'Aaron Fox had anything to say about it. He, he said a lot. It just wasn't enough. He had 43 points, 13 assists, and four steals. <laughs> I was choked over the words. 43-13, you still lose to the Pelicans. That shows you how bad your defense is. And and, and to be fair, Sacramento's defense, it's it's pretty rough. I mean, next to the Wizards, I would put Sacramento as like the next worst defense. I'm not talking about just defensive rating and everything of that note. I, and for the record, they are dead last in defensive rating, 121.8. That's crazy. But even if I didn't see the defensive rating, they would still be the worst defense, just without a doubt there. Um, they've been rough. Bright spot, I guess. Marvin Bagley, he had 26 and 10 in a season at 36 minutes. They're still trying to find their way with him. I think that I feel bad for Bagley because he had unfortunate injury luck, but it's looking like, I mean, obviously taking him over Luke was bad almost immediately after it happened, but it's only gotten worse. And some of it's been, you know, Bagley's ineffective play when he has been on the floor. Then you take into account the time he has been on the floor. And yeah, you're just like, yikes. Especially when you see Luca doing what Luca does. So yeah, but I've like Sacramento's offense enough. Uh, I can see them getting stronger. By the way, they play the Clippers again, then the Knicks, and then the Grizzlies this week. So that's something coming up for them. Going to Houston. Houston's been weird. Of course, they already we talked about this last week with Aaron Washington. They overhauled their roster. They got rid of franchise cornerstone James Harden. Uh, did not get someone like a Ben Simmons. Uh, but I feel they, they, they feel they already have their young stud, and Christian Wood is 25. Uh, he's averaging 23 points and 10 rebounds a game. He's solid. You just got Victor Oladipo, who had his first game two nights ago. He's played great, at least that initial game. 32 points, instant chemistry with Christian Wood off the pick and roll. You have to like when John Wall gets back from his knee soreness and how this team will draw together under Steven Silas, who now has a roster that he can put his own personal imprint on that isn't just playing in flux. That should be good with some motivated guys who really want to win. And they have the roster to do it. Only 4-7, and seven, not not horrible. Uh, they play Chicago, Phoenix, Detroit, Dallas. There's a few games in there. Phoenix is going to be a very interesting one, but there's a few games in there that uh, Houston can take. I'm looking specifically at Chicago and Detroit, and maybe they're in play for Phoenix and Dallas. It's possible. It's possible. Just over them, I'm going to turn to Charlotte. Charlotte at 23. Uh, they lost three straight uh, after they beat the Knicks, uh, including just getting whopped. Actually, I don't even like a whop after uh, walloped. Let's say walloped by the Raptors. Let's say walloped. Uh, they're still trying to find some chemistry. Demonte Grant's played a little bit better, but I still say that the 
Hornets should just turn to Wall to Lamel Ball at this point. In fact, if I was a Hornets, I and we're gonna talk about this again. A future episode talking about trade block and you know it's still too early for that. You know the James Harden blockbuster notwithstanding to be talking about oh who could go here and who could go where and what teams are targeting whatever. But I would really be high on moving Devontae Graham. Just a personal thought. Give the bottle to Lamelo um, and let him just give the bottle to Lamelo. Get it? Anyway, let him just go to work and, and see what happens. Uh, right now, it hasn't been good over the last four games. He's gone 15 for 46, but he's still making an impact in other ways on the glass with his assists. Great chemistry of Miles Bridges. He's given Miles some of the best dunks Miles has had in his career. In fact, I saw on YouTube today they had like put together NBA a compilation of like Miles Bridges' best dunks. I was like, okay, like the dude had some good ones over the last like two years or so, but like like he's had a bunch this year, including that cockbat. Ooh. Anyways. Going to the Knicks. Yes, going to the Knicks. Knicks have been decent. Tom Thibodeau has a team, I think, that fits him perfectly. Like, they're not that talented. I mean, they have R.J. Barrett. They have Julius Randle uh, putting together, in my mind, an all-star season. Mitchell Robinson's had his moments. Emmanuel quickly can throw in a floater from anywhere. These guys have gotten some minutes. But, I mean, let's be real. It's not like you line them up against most teams and you're like, okay, this, this the Knicks are going to get the W. No, but they grind it out. They play really well. And... If you're a Knicks fan, you got some real hope. Not only are you taking the positive feeling that you had from the offseason, because, you know, the Knicks didn't mess up because they didn't do anything crazy or pay an aging, you know, former all-star a boatload of money to, like, just cripple their salary cap space for years to come. They didn't do that. And now they're playing with an identity, which we're going to go to work and we're going to grind. And we may not win every game, but we're going to give you a challenge for the most part. And they've done that. Uh, they have a... Uh, Orlando again, then Golden State, or not Orlando, they have Golden State, they have Sacramento, and they have Portland uh, looking ahead, so that that's something to keep an eye on as far as uh, where, where the Knicks are, I Golden State's going to be an interesting game, Golden State's going to be an interesting game, I don't think, if obviously the Knicks have as much talent as the Warriors, but I definitely think they can get a W against them, mm-hmm. Sacramento's going to be interesting in Portland, I think, yeah, that's going to be fun, uh, I mean, again, this Knicks team's been very, very good. Relative to expectations. <laughs> right. Going to Cleveland. Cleveland, 6-7. Uh, and seven. Uh, They got Brooklyn. They got a set against Brooklyn where we're going to talk about the Brooklyn Nets in a little bit, but Kyrie will be back. I don't know how Cleveland defends Kyrie, James Harden, and Kevin Durant, but that's not for me to worry about. And they play Boston. So I see uh, a six and a couple of L's coming up in their future. But Andre Drummond, man, he's been, he's been a bomb. Uh, he had, I remember that 33.23 uh, rebound performance against the Knicks a week ago, and then uh, he had lost against the Bucks, where he put up 26 points and 24 rebounds. He's been really good, and mind you, this is another guy, trade chip candidate, especially since the Cavs just got Jared Allen, 22, obviously the center of their future, okay? Uh, this is going to be interesting with the glut they have at center, because you have Allen, you have Drummond, you have JaVale McGee, who you don't have, Kevin Porter Jr., already talked about him. It's a shame. I, I just, again, got to say it's a shame that Kevin Porter, uh, you know, the issues that happened because I was really looking forward to his fiddle on this team. I really wanted to see him, Okoro, the Sexton backcourt, and Jared Allen. That was my dream lineup. Um, and yeah, but we'll see uh, where Cleveland goes moving forward. A lot of their guys could be on the block. A lot of their guys could help some vets. The Lakers could be one of these guys. JaVel McGee, more size. I'm just saying um, on the buyout, I don't know, but they have a few guys that you're definitely looking at come buyout season, come trade season that can make an impact on other teams. All right, going on to the Raptors, who I'm going to give some uh, a little bit of love to. Uh, they played a little better. Remember, they're only 4-8 and eight now. They've won two in a row. They were 2-8. and eight. It was horrible. They have a tight schedule coming up ahead. They have Dallas. 
um, Miami, Miami again, and Indiana. So, a little interesting portion there. My fault. I keep saying the team they played this past week, because I wrote these notes down uh, the day before, and I ended up doing just a recap episode. They have Miami twice, and then Indiana. That should be interesting. But right now, they're playing a little better. Uh... Ah, they're bigs. People talked about it. Is losing uh, Marc Gasol and Serge Ibaka and bringing in Aaron Baines and Alex Len uh, that detrimental? And I didn't think it would be that bad, but it's been pretty bad. Uh, just in general, their bigs have been rough. Uh, Aaron Baines, 4.3 points on 37% shooting. Yikes. Like, I really thought he'd be impact player in Toronto. Uh, Kyle Lowry's been playing solid. Fred Van Vliet's numbers are good. He's had some rough games in there, but he's been okay. Pascal Siakam, you know, we were giving him a lot of grief, myself included, early in the season. He's gotten a little bit better. You know, at least finding more of his form. Looking like more of the player that people were getting overhyped about last year. And I said the same thing. It was a lot of extra hype. He's a solid piece. I don't know if you look at him as like the alpha on the team. I highly don't think that. I think the role that he was in alongside a Kawhi or a high-volume score where he could pick his spots and be effective in that is where Pascal's going to be. So that is something there for you. All right, the Grizzlies, John Morant, uh, he came back. I mean, with the way that guy recovers, grade two ankle sprain, two weeks, crazy. Uh, the Grizzlies traded water while John Morant was out. They managed to go four and four. Uh, you know, Dylan Brooks and and just the reliable cast of characters they have, Kyle Anderson, Tyus Jones, they cobbled it together really well. Uh, Taylor Jenkins did a good job mixing and matching the personnel um, and really getting the most out of these guys. Xavier Tillman's looked pretty good. Uh, Baines had his moments. The Grizzlies are, are a great and grind team right now. And that's what they're doing. They got Portland, a two-game set against Portland, and then Sacramento coming up. But they are 6-6 uh, six and six on the year. Not too shabby. Uh, and, yeah, I put them uh, ahead, of course, of the 4-8 and eight Raptors. So just to let you know, in case you hadn't hear the record there. Uh, right above them, putting the Pelicans. Pelicans, uh, they snapped a, a little losing streak. They've been interesting. The kill Alexander Walker has been on fire, y'all. Like, on fire. He's averaged 19 points, 5.3 rebounds, and 2.7 assists in the games that the Pelicans have been without Lonzo Ball and like lighting it up, just absolute lighting it up. Had a game um against Clippers where he just came to ball out. Uh, Zion Williamson had some monster dunks. He's a little more athletic. I really hope to see one some more defensive input, two some more three point shooting, just any three point shooting. And these are my own personal um subjective goals, but that's what I would look for uh from Zion. But he's been good. I've already talked so much about Brandon Ingram. And how I thought he could be MVP candidate, or thought he should be an MVP candidate, I'm slowing up on that just a little bit. I right, just say so I know I've I've come to my senses. He's still 23.6 rebounds, five assists, just under stealing a block per game, 36% from three. I'm not totally off of it, but I'm kind of off. He's cooling down just enough that I'm like, okay, maybe that was small small game sample size. Maybe going off of eight games isn't uh you know does not an MVP make. You know I'm willing to say that. I'm learning right. I'm learning. All right. Thunder, Thunder, y'all, they've been, they've been something else. Thunder, 29th in offense, 18th in defense, 28th in net rating, and they are still a team you do not want to go and play. They have that 22-point comeback against the Bulls. Shea Gildas-Alexander has been great. You have guys like Al Horford and George Hill who won't give you breaks. You have guys like um, Lou Dort who play well. I mean, this team is a cobbled-together tough squad. Like, Sam Presti is winning and winning. Even when he's making a team constructed to semi-lose while controlling multiple teams' futures, assets, for years in the draft, he still finds a way to make a decent-looking roster. Now, that being said, you know, they have a two-game set against the Clippers coming up, but I think that'll still be kind of funky. That should be interesting. That should be interesting. Uh, I put the Magic ahead of them just because 
I did like some of the signs I saw encouraging in terms of um, the play of Aaron Gordon, who's been really well in my mind, and Nikola Vucevic is looking like an all-star again. Uh, same with Julius Randle. In fact, when they played each other uh, yesterday, I wrote that on, put that on Twitter. I was or two days ago. I put that on Twitter. Like, wow, these guys are both having all-star years right now. But uh, the Magic have just been in a swoon since Markel Fultz was down with that ACL tear. Uh, I mean, you not only have to look at the fact that yeah, point guard play is rough. I mean, you're putting a lot of pressure on Cole Anthony to create any type of uh, offense. When you're not going through a Voots or going through Aaron Gordon or going through like a Terrence Ross. And those are suboptimal offensive initiators, at least for getting others involved, right? But you also have to think about the emotional impact of losing someone who was, uh, as everyone says, a rock for them. That has to be hard. I don't know if you can, you know, contextualize that on a win-loss record. But, yeah, I would imagine that's it. But they've just, I think, uh, for me, I would put a lot of it on uh, just... They offensively, they're so disjointed. It's a struggle. It really is. Uh, yeah, they have a Minnesota. Uh, maybe they can get themselves back on track there. They have Indiana and Charlotte. None of those games will be easy, but maybe the Magic can find, kind of find their footing there. All right, now we're going to, uh, I couldn't really decide here between Miami and Golden State. Not going to lie, I haven't watched a whole lot of Miami uh, over the last week and a half, but um I just know they have injuries. I know they got uh, that blow loss to Detroit. They didn't have Jimmy Butler and Avery Bradley. Uh, but even without those guys, I, I really thought that the culture and this um, Bam Adebayo said that the Heat did not play with, you know, would still help them a little bit. And it really hasn't. They're 4-7. and seven. You know, they've kind of come out the gate looking rough since the finals, which, I mean, let's be real. It was a bubble. Like, I'm not saying, if I say there was a bubble as an excuse for why the Heat aren't that good, then I have to say that's an excuse for why the Lakers are, and I'm not trying to do that, but... I just think they got some really good breaks, and now they're playing like a team that they are. They're a really solid Eastern Conference team, but are we thinking, you know, finals contenders this year? Uh, I'm most certainly not. So, those are just my thoughts there. Uh, just ahead of them, tied with them, uh, this was given major impetus over their win against the Lakers yesterday. But, yeah, Steph Curry, I mean, even when not shooting well, is still, when he plays well, for the most part, the Warriors follow. Kelly Oubre starting to find uh, his stride, even though his shooting's been just Gosh, awful. Andrew Wiggins has played a lot better defensively, and the addition of Draymond Green back in his lineup has not only helped James Wiseman, but it's also helped the Warriors as a whole. They're only 6-6, six and six, uh, you know, and they still have some obvious weaknesses, but with those guys and the way their bench has been, especially against uh, two nights going against the Lakers, been real solid. And they are they have the Spurs, the Knicks, and Utah, so they can definitely make some groundwork. Uh, San Antonio's going to be an interesting team. But uh, New York and Utah should be fun ones to watch. Speaking of the Spurs, Spurs have been fun, y'all. Like, the Spurs have been fun. Uh, oh, by the way, check out uh, Spam the Spurs, a little, little uh, pod I do on um, San Antonio Spurs and some more context, some more nuance there. But they've been on fire. Keldon Johnson's been great. You know, they had a slight uh, slip where they lost to Marta Rose and their offense just fell apart against the Minnesota Timberwolves last week. But all in all, they're 7-6. and six. Defensively, they're rough. LaMarcus Aldridge it just has totally stopped rebounding. However, he has taken the shooting to three more, which has opened up the Spurs offense. And when you get a lineup of DeJounte Murray, uh, Lonnie Walker, DeMar DeRozan, Keldon Johnson, LaMarcus Aldridge, you have a lineup that can get up and down the floor, shoot the three really well, and, and put some pressure on the offensive end, which is something you know, the Spurs aren't really doing. I like the way DeJounte Murray plays. DeMar DeRozan has been solid. He's been just really solid. Like, really solid. And he's shooting the three ball a little bit more, a little more confidently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm really high on the Spurs, but I can only put them as high as this. I was going to put them ahead of my next team, the Blazers, but uh, I just couldn't. Because, I don't know. I mean, for right now, in fact, it's going to be funny. They just do each other in the Spurs. You know what? I'm going to do it. Spurs are ahead. Uh, 13, we're going to put uh, the Blazers, who 
have had injury issue, and I didn't want to put undue um, blame on the Blazers' performance due to losing Yusef Nurkic, who will be out for at least eight weeks because of that broken wrist, and CJ McCollum, who only has a strain, uh, foot strain, but he'll be out for a little bit of time. That puts a lot of pressure on Damian Lillard because you're not getting a lot of offensive help from Robert Covington, who's having easily the worst year of his career from an offensive, I would just say basketball perspective, as well as uh, Derrick Jones Jr., you know, their bench has been interesting, uh, and interesting not in a good way. Uh, I, I think their rotations are solid enough, but Carmelo uh, assumes more of a high usage role. Carrie Trent Jr. should probably be getting the start in CJ McCollum's absence. I just think you should give Gary Trent Jr. all the minutes, or even better, give him to the Lakers. Why not? <laughs> but those are my thoughts there. And then we're looking at Dallas. Uh, Dallas has been a little rough. Luka Doncic had triple doubles in more than a few of the Mavericks' last couple of games. But they've lost a couple of them. Uh, and I do feel, again, injuries are there. You're still trying to rip Christoph Porzingis back in. He had a very strong night two nights ago. But I don't know. I, I, I'm just not super high on them as of right now. They still got to get Josh Richardson and other guys back and seeing how they go from there. I'm glad Luka Doncic is finally playing himself into a little better shape, though. That's for sure. I uh, guess 29 career triple doubles. If you're into that, which I am being a Russell Westbrook fan, he's tied for Grant Hill 15th all-time already. One more than Michael Jordan. Isn't that insane? Three years in the league, and Luka Doncic has 29 career triple-doubles. 15th after year three, during year three. Insane. Indiana, San Antonio, and Houston are ahead for the Mavericks. It should be fun. Next is the Suns, who had a rough loss against the Grizzlies. Chris Paul turned the ball over multiple times. Uh, you had uh, just bad shooting up and down the board. Devin Booker went 5 of 21 from the field himself. You know. Then again, though. The Suns did come off of three consecutive postponements due to COVID. So how much pressure do you really give them? How much uh, a knock do you really give them? I give them a little bit because you're looking at the inconsistent play of DeAndre Ayton, although he did play very well against the Grizzlies. You're looking at, uh, I don't want to say a down yet for Chris Paul. He's done solid enough. But I, I, the, the, the balance that the Suns have is good, but I'm not seeing that one guy off the bench who go, okay, here, he's going to bring it every night. It's like a bunch of guys who can bring it every night. The problem with that logic is, okay, what happens if, they can't. What happens if you get a, a rut of games where they don't have that? Look at the 2015 Hawks. It's the only example I can have that comes to mind, where a team has it all together until they don't have it all together. And that one singular person that can say, okay, I'm going to give you 20, I'm going to give you 25 right here, right now, isn't there. Then what? The Sun's still a solid team. They're 7-4. and four. Uh, They got Houston, then a two-game set against Denver. That should be interesting. After that, got Indiana. Indiana number eight, yes. Indiana's been fun. Uh, they had that postponed game against Phoenix, of course, because of what happened with Phoenix. Uh, then you had the Indiana trade, uh, you know, giving up Victor Oladipo, but getting Karis LeVert, and then unfortunately finding out that LeVert will be out indefinitely after an MRI discovered a small mass on his kidney. We talked about this already. We hope that LeVert um, definitely gets well, and that, you know, I'm glad they were able to find this out, you know, and I don't know how dangerous or anything it is, but the fact they're able to kind of uh, ascertain this early can only be helpful. They have Orlando and Toronto next two games. I think the Pacers can get. They're eight and five. They've been pretty solid. Miles Turner's been a beast, just been a beast, and he'd love to see it. Uh, even with that slight dip he's had because of an injury, that he's been out. So we'll see how long that happens. Looking ahead to uh, the Utah Jazz, Utah's won their past uh, five. Not bad. Um, they even took down a Denver Nuggets team that had Jamal Murray playing like he does against the Jazz and the Suns, <laughs> which means that that was a good Jamal Murray game. <laughs> Jordan Clarkson's been on fire. Uh, the Jazz defense has tightened up a little bit. Uh, all the things I was saying about Donovan Mitchell, I'm going to walk back ever so slightly. He's played a little bit better, a little more efficient. They've been solid, 9-4. and four. Just kind of a sneaky Jazz team. Are they championship contenders? No, I'm looking at them as a solid second-round exit, but... I mean, they're 9-4. and four. They've played 13 games. Let me calm down. There are a few more power rankings to do. 
Philadelphia. Philadelphia is 9-2 when Joel Embiid plays, 0-3 when he sits. That's not good, right? Now, the two losses that they've had when he sits are two of them to the Cavs and the Grizzlies. What? You're telling me that Tobias Harris, and I said Tobias Harris first for a reason, Ben Simmons, <laughs> Dwight Howard, and others can't help? I mean, you know what you're getting from a guy like Danny Green. He can go 0 for 9 one game and then hit 9 three points the next, what he did this season already. But you got to be telling me that you don't want to give up Ben Simmons for a guy like James Harden. So then you have to hope that Ben Simmons has an extra gear to lift a team up and, and, and help them to higher levels. And if that's not the case, then what are we doing? I mean, it's the Grizzlies and the Cavs. Joel Embiid, however, is playing at an all-star uh, level, uh, really an MVP level, and so you hope that that continues. All right, moving on to Boston, who uh, got Kemba Walker back. Uh, they did lose to the Knicks, but he's looking uh, spry. He's looking healthy. Uh, when You got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown back. You got all three of them together. That's going to be fun, especially now that Walker's saying he is pain-free. That's the important thing. Uh, but right now, if they're looking like they are, you know, Ken Walker stays the way he is. Jalen Brown's been playing very well. Jason Taylor had a very solid season. They have a game against Philadelphia, then a game against Cleveland. That Philadelphia won't be a fun match between the two, and Cleveland should be uh, interesting. But there's Boston for you. And then we get to uh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn, yeah. That James Harden trade's looking really, really good for the Nets. Uh, they had a first game of the two play that combined for 74 points, with Harden having triple-double in his first game. Then they came through and took down the Bucks with Harden playing well and giving the nice to Kevin Durant for the game-clinching three. Durant scored 25 or more in, what, 10 games now? He's averaging more than 30. It's crazy. And Kyrie Irving expected to come back in his calves. I, it's gonna be, this is where people look. Because right now, you see how Durant and Harden look. They look great. Now, what does Durant, Harden, and Irving look like? I tend to think it's gonna work out okay. Do I think they're, like, the best team? No, I think they're kind of ranked where they are in the power rankings right now. But, very interesting. And, yeah, their first game against Cleveland is must-watch status. Look at Cleveland getting must-watch. Right. Milwaukee's next. Milwaukee's next only because they were playing pretty well up to this point, even before Brooklyn made the trade that they did. Uh, they had three victories before dropping uh, this last one against Brooklyn. They've only lost two of their last nine. Uh, they took down Luka Doncic and the Mavs uh, last week in a very fun uh, little back and forth. Giannis still going to make some free throws, man. He had the worst free throw percentage in franchise history with a minimum of 10 attempts, going, of course, one for 10 from the field that game. And honestly, if he can get some free throw shooting and his three-point shooting down, I am not, everyone's like, oh, he can still be dominant without the shot, he can still be dominant without a jumper, I'm not on that boat, he can still be dominant, yes, so, I guess I am on that boat, he can still be dominant, but those flaws are very evident, and I don't think you can game plan them completely out of the game, I think that's a weakness that can always be exploited, and I think that Giannis will come into a clear, hard wall, until he finds a way to mitigate that somewhat to make it a respectable looking jumper, and a decent free throw, it's not the days of Shaq back in the day anymore, you know what I mean, and I don't think that they have that. What they do have are some fun games coming up. They have the Lakers. That's going to be a, a must-watch. Uh, then they got Washington and Atlanta. I think they should take out those teams pretty easily, especially Washington. I'm going to cover my eyes on that one. Unless Bradley Beal can uh, reach back and give me a classic Bradley Beal performance. We'll see. Clippers, number two. Ten and four. Kawhi Leonard's looking great. Paul George looking like a bomb. Like, he's looking bomb, not looking like a bomb. He's been great. Uh, you have had some missed games. Lou Williams missed two. Pat Bevin, Serge Baca missed one, but they're coming together. Lou Kennard's playing better. Marcus Morris has found his stride. This team's looking good, and they, and they haven't reached the very top of where they can be, but uh, they look very solid right now. They're easily the second-best team in the NBA, and they've kind of raised up their margin significantly over the Bucks, in my opinion. But one team resides above them all, and that is the Lakers. Yes, even though they dropped that game against Golden State, where they gave us basically no energy whatsoever, the Lakers are 11-4. They are very solid. They are first in defense efficiency, fifth in offense efficiency. They are a bomb. 
Right now, they got guys getting together. They still need to keep that consistency from night to night. But when they are fully dialed in, and usually that Golden State Warriors loss notwithstanding, when they go into the fourth court the lead, they are probably walking that building with a W. So that is why I got the Lakers where they are right now. And Corbin's first power rankings, yes, he waited till week four because that's what Corbin does. But I think I got a big enough sample size we can kind of narrow it out and see how it all floats. And we'll get this again in two weeks time. I think we're going to do a bi-weekly uh, power rankings. Because weekly, I mean, you get one, two, three games. I don't know if that's big enough. This is my personal thoughts. I said thoughts. I meant thoughts. My personal thoughts. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Not a whole lot of news. In fact, not really anything. Adam Silver uh, did have a, a little meeting uh, speaking to ESPN Stephen A. Smith, talking that the league would not jump in line to get COVID-19 vaccinations. Uh, this is what he said, and I'm going to quote, we will very likely be part of some public service campaigns where you talk to the CDC and other federal agencies about that, encouraging people to get vaccinated when it is appropriate. But up until then, we will just be watching and waiting, end quote. Uh, and so what the C kind of where he's at, he just said right now they're um, suggesting that they uh, or suggesting that the league start to like look at the possibility of vaccinating their players. But of course, it's very tricky, especially when you look at the Tuskegee experiments and everything that happened in terms of having African-American community and that large and in my mind, rightfully so, leeriness of vaccines in terms of what was done historically. Like, you can look at it right now and say, okay, of course, you need the vaccine, it's important. Like, this isn't a, a, a matter of public opinion. This is something that's a must. But if you dig deep and you look at the history of African Americans and vaccines, there are some signs for concern. I think you would be, I would be shocked if everyone was gung-ho about it. After seeing how that went down, I would highly encourage you to look up those uh, Tuskegee experiments to find more about maybe why there is such a widespread mistrust of vaccines in the African-American community because it's there for you. But um, that is news that Silver said as far as getting it under control because you are missing so many games, having so many games postponed. I understand where he and the NBA are coming from with it, especially when people like myself are saying, okay, pause the league for two weeks, get everything settled out. The NBA had already expected something like this to happen, especially come up the holidays, so they're already prepared for this possibility. But now, you know, maybe there are potential steps ahead, and that's what Silver is proposing here. We remain to be seen how it all unfolds, but that is something to keep an eye on. Right, well, that'll do it here for another edition of Round Ball Ramble. You know where to find me on Twitter, at CorbinNBA. Make sure to check out the fine folks of HoopBall on Twitter, at HoopBallTweets online, Hoop-Ball.com, Manscaped, Manscaped.com. Get 20% off your order plus free shipping. Get yourself that refined cologne. Get yourself those crop mops with the code HoopBall20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. One more time, y'all, HoopBall20, H-O-O-P-B-A-L-L-2-0. Alright, y'all. I will be talking to y'all real soon. Basically tomorrow. But until then, I am Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. <laughs> and we'll get back after it. <laughs> Alright, y'all. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.